Hey, everybody, Brandon Lewis here, founder of the Tennessee Conservative, and we are in the middle of a very rushed, hurried, and hectic special session on medical freedom. Um, and I've got somebody who has been tracking this. When I uh, started the Tennessee Conservative uh, about a year ago, uh, where we really went public, I looked out uh, at the political landscape and, and tried to find some folks that were as upset about the freedoms and liberties we have lost as I was. And I found uh, a few people, and one of the people that was a early trailblazer blazer in trying to get back your rights and liberties is Gary Humble with the Heart H of Tennessee Stands, and he joins us here today. Gary, thank you for being here. Yeah, we learned about that H at that last event we did together, didn't we? It's very difficult when you've been raised your whole life not to pronounce the H in humble and say humble, and then when somebody puts it in front of you, it's very difficult to switch. I am sorry. Yeah. Okay, you did. You're doing good, though. Thanks, man. Thanks for complying. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit uh, today. What we're going to do, guys, and this is very important. There are a few action alerts in here for you, and uh, we're going to go through some of the bills that we think are the best ones to restore normalcy and to take uh, Tennessee from a mandate state back to a volunteer state. And uh, Gary's going to run through those uh, first. Talk a little bit about what you're hearing about what's going on up there in Nashville. Um, some of these things can't be substantiated, but we have them in many cases from good sources. I'll let you lead off, buddy. Yeah, I mean, we had have, have had some great meetings with some of our most uh, conservative uh, members of the House and the Senate. We, we affectionately now call them the Freedom Caucus. Uh, <laughs> so, well, actually, We'll see if we can actually start that because that'd be a really great idea. But um, in any case, look, I think the the general sentiment is, as far as I can tell and what I've been told, there's just there's a feeling of confusion. The feeling is that everything's been rushed. Um, yeah, we've known the special session was coming and folks have been drafting bills and there's a lot of bills that have been drafted and submitted, but no one's really known the rules until like just this week. No one knew when the bill filing deadlines were going to be on the House side and the Senate until this week. Uh, I will tell you with confidence there were members of the Senate that did not know until yesterday afternoon that their bill filing deadline was going to be 6 p.m. that same afternoon. Um, there was confusion as to whether or not uh, they were going to allow companion bills to, to be filed after the fact because that has happened apparently in some special sessions before. So like, for example, you had a House filing deadline on Monday and you had a Senate filing deadline on Wednesday. But what that really means is that the only bills that the Senate should be submitting at that point are companion bills to the House because the House can't submit any more bills. But there were members of the Senate still thinking that they could submit their own bill and that the House could retroactively submit another bill because apparently that's happened. But the, the, the point is, no, so many of these folks did not know all of the rules going into. So it's sort of been a mess. Uh, we've been promoting the, a version of the Montana bill in terms of uh, employee mandates. And you can tell how little coordination was happening because that bill was filed five times uh, by different legislators. So it's just, you know, we're, you're, you're trying to sort through just a pile of legislation and see where the duplicates are and 
which ones you're trying to support and whatever. So it's, it's, that's what's going on. It's good times. So the, the good you news all is should be incredibly confident in this process is what I'm saying. <laughs> so uh, I did get a reply back uh, from um, speaker, uh, Senate speaker McNally's uh, office, the Lieutenant governor and, and assuring us that that regular order is going on and that they have faith in the committee uh, process which it depends on what you want to happen. Uh, the, the committee process killed all the good legislation in the last general session. So hopefully there's a change of heart uh, if there's not a change of process in some of these committees. And I feel that there will be, uh, to what degree I do not know. Uh, but I think something's real important for those of you who don't watch our videos all the way to the end. Um, Gary is going to be sending out action alerts at TennesseeStands.com. I would go there and get on his email TennesseeStands.org. TennesseeStands.org. Actually, actually .com will still forward you there, but it's – so either way. But so we just you. wasted a whole lot of time, Gary. Thanks. So go to TennesseeStands.org and uh, get on his email list. He will be sending out legislative updates. Of course, we will be updating you as well uh, here at the Tennessee Conservative and, and you need to focus on what's going on in these committees as we figure out where the bills are going to um, begin uh, debate and consideration. So keep an eye on that. And we're going to go through some of these bills and Gary is going to explain them. Let's first talk about the vaccines for minors bill. Yeah, so that's a uh, <clears throat> H and, and all of these bills, by the way, these 11 bills that were that we support, they all have House and Senate sponsors. Um, this vaccine for minors bill, HB 13, uh, was put in by Representative Brandon Ogles out of Williamson County. And, uh, you know, essentially it, re it requires written parental consent uh, for a minor, anyone under 18, uh, to receive a vaccine for COVID. Pretty simple. Um, and if any medical practitioner violates that, their, subject, their license is subject to disciplinary action. And the commissioner of health is responsible to keep a tally of any violations that have occurred throughout the state. So that's pretty simple, cut and dry, it should pass. It's amazing that that should have to be uh, articulated, but this is the world we're living in. This is the next, world we live in. Next bill, uh, medical boards and pharmacy. Yeah, HB 920. And actually this is a bill put in by Representative uh, Chris Todd, but we also had a bill 9080 by Representative Halsey, who our, our doctors group out in Johnson City did a phenomenal job sort of strengthening the bill. And so what we're working to do is actually amend that 980 language into 920. So if you go look at the bill now, it's good, but it's going to get better with an amendment that we're going to place on it, hopefully. But, but essentially what that does is you've heard of this medical examiner's board who is threatening to discipline doctors across the state who are treating patients for COVID in a way that the board doesn't agree with, i.e. prescribing ivermectin, you know, pre prescribing these alternative forms of healing that the hospitals apparently don't want to deal with. Um, this bill nips that in the bud and says that these boards uh, should not discipline a doctor who is within their own right uh, and within reason to the best of their ability treating their patients, uh, irregardless of whether or not the treatment is uh, approved or indicated by the federal government for the treatment of COVID-19. So it fixes that medical uh, licensing issue. 
Well, and it should be, you know, people go out and select a doctor often because, for example, I, my, my physician is a very holistic, runs marathons, is in great physical shape, just like I am. And he's not going to just hand you a pill every time you walk into the office. And he's the type of person that you treats COVID differently than a lot of folks that, that think the only uh, answer is a, uh, is a, is whatever gets the highest billable amount uh, from the insurance company. Can I say that I, I trust my doctor more than I trust the FDA? Is that okay to say? Yes. Say that? Yes, I would hope so, because I, you don't hire the FDA to do anything. Um, and so I, I believe that would work just fine. Let's talk about informed consent uh, and uh, the informed consent employer bill. Yeah, HB 9023 is actually a really, really important bill. It is the bill that not only fixes in this informed consent issue where we feel like we're being lied to, uh, people are saying, oh, take this vaccine. It's going to prevent you from catching COVID. It's going to produce immunity, which we know does not happen. I mean, we, we can all acknowledge left and right of the aisle all over the world that that is not the case. So stop, stop false advertising. Stop lying to people. Um, and then it, it restricts employers from mandating the shot and creates a cause of action. That's that's going to require a little bit of an amendment to this bill that we're working on, but this bill takes care of informed consent. It codifies into law. It makes a statement in law by the General Assembly that the federal government has not been given any jurisdiction over health care by the Constitution of the United States, and they sure ain't going to do it in this state. And so it's a, it's a really strong statement from what we know is coming down uh, from OSHA. And uh, it allows some workers' comps claim if you're injured from a COVID vaccine. And uh, so it's, it's, it's one of the most important. HB 9023 is critical. Okay, so HB 9023, let's put a big star beside that one. Let's talk about, and this is something that just drove me mad in many cases, uh, patient visitation rights. There is more to life than just staying alive. Uh, there's spiritual, there's mental well-being, and uh, for so many people to, to have been derided, you know, denied these basic fundamental uh, rights, and 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 for us to turn many medical practices on it on its head regarding this is is terrible. So talk a little bit about patient visitation rights. So this is actually based off what's called the No Patient Left Alone Act. It is a, a law that was actually passed uh, in North Carolina just recently, and so this bill was modeled off of uh, existing North Carolina law. And basically, we're hearing stories all across the state where you go into the hospital, you got COVID, and they're not, they're not even letting your spouse in. Everybody's locked out. You're all alone. Next thing you know, you've had remdesivir, you're on a vent, and no one's around. Uh, and you're incapacitated. No one's around. You're just there in the hospital. It, it's horrible. So even in an emergency, this law requires the hospital to allow every patient at least one visitor, as long as they test negative for COVID or do not display any symptoms for COVID. The hospital has to allow that visitor into the, into the hospital for this patient. Uh, a child must be accompanied by, by a guardian. Can you, real, can you imagine? There are kids. They're not letting their parents. What? Are you, bro, we're going to have problems. If you're not letting me back there to see my kid, I'm just telling you, big problems. Um, an adult must be allowed a healthcare advocate. Visitation rights may not be terminated by the governor by executive order. That's, I like that part. 
Um, these rights also apply to nursing homes, hospice, and assist, assisted living facilities and creates a cause of action for violations. So that's a, it's a critical bill. Okay. And it's law. It's law in other states. I think we should easily do that here in Tennessee. Emergency powers. This has perhaps been the most baffling uh, thing to me because if I am elected as a member of, um, of the legislative branch, I would have been remarkably angry that my constituents had very little representation for the last two years almost. Uh, and why in the world uh, any branch of government would let another branch run all over them and neuter them, I have no idea, but that is what has happened. And so can you talk a little bit about this emergency powers situation? To my, to my knowledge, HB 9029, Representative uh, Deborah Moody out of Tipton County and Senator Mark Pody, this is the only bill, this is the only bill right now in the special session that would actually limit the governor's authority in an emergency. I was told yesterday by Bruce Griffey, he tried to submit one and uh, the house turned him, the, the clerk, house clerk turned him down, said it, said it didn't fit the call of the special session. But somehow this one made it in. I, I don't know how these things work, but this one did make it in and it does two very simple things. It limits the governor's emergency powers to only 21 days. After 21 days, uh, the emergency must be renewed by a joint resolution of the legislature. And it, the governor may not make an executive order that shuts down businesses, limits travel, or expends state, fun state funds. Pretty it's simple. Good old common sense. Anybody who says they are a conservative but doesn't practice or believe in separation of powers, which is probably the most, one of the most fundamental um, tenets of conservatism in a republic, uh, Republican form of government, is not a conservative at all. And you can take that to the bank. Uh, what about patients' rights to treatment, Gary? Yeah, this is a big one run by Representative Todd Water. And again, Senator Pody, HB 9037, um, requires a healthcare practitioner to administer treatment, including monoclonal an antibodies, uh, to the patient at the written request of the patient or patient's advocate if the patient is incapacitated, regardless of FDA approval. Uh, for the treatment of COVID. So all this nonsense about, about a doctor and a patient, everybody wants, give me ivermectin, please, I want to leave. And the hospital says, no, you can't have it. Uh, this bill would nip that in the bud. Um, it removes liability uh, for a doctor who prescribes these medications at the patient's request, which is good, creates causes of action um, uh, against healthcare practitioners that refuse a patient's wishes. And also, um, I like this one. Healthcare practitioners can face criminal prosecution for knowingly confining a patient and interfering with their treatment. Well, if it's going to be life and death, there ought to be consequences. Masks, what about them? And when, when can we get back to normal? <laughs> Again, one of the only bills that deals with masks, this 9044, again, we're hoping to make an amendment here because the original bill deals with masks in the marketplace. So um, you can't met state agencies, government buildings, and any business who has received any kind of state funding, also even a tax incentive within the last year, which pretty much in all large corporations, essentially, cannot 
mandate masks. I love this bill. Um, that was the original bill. We're amending Jason Zachary's, are trying to, HB 9005 into this bill to, to put in the mask language for schools because that bill 9005, which deals with masks in schools currently, and I don't think it, it doesn't look like it will have a Senate sponsor. So we're trying to amend that language into this bill because it has a Senate sponsor so that we have a bill that deals with both, both masks in the marketplace and masks in schools. The school piece is great, says the school board cannot make a rule to require masks. And it flips the script. It puts the burden on the school to provide a reasonable accommodation for parents who want their kids to wear a mask. So fine, you want your kid to wear a mask, we'll accommodate you, but they're the ones that are going to go get segregated in the other room and stay six feet apart and all this other nonsense. We're going to accommodate them. But for the rest of the normal people that just want to go to school and breathe air and learn and see everybody's faces, um, they're just going to go to school because that's what we've always done. So God help us if this doesn't pass. Um, HB 9044. What about the county health officer? HB 9049, uh, little, this snuck past us this year in the last full session. They greatly expanded the rules of a county health officer to make broad rules and regulations over the county. This is exactly why Shelby County currently has a mask mandate because of that law. Um, so this law repeals that. It removes the power of the county health officer to just make broad health rules those rules have to would now have to be approved by the state commissioner of health. They would have to show that they have authority to issue such a rule, and they would have to prove that the rule actually provides health for health and safety for the uh, for the county. So it's we need that to pass as well. Shelby County, Shelby County, HB nine zero four nine. This is your baby. HB mm. 9049. School quarantine. This is a big one uh, to me. Um, I don't know if this deals with private and public schools, uh, but it is ridiculous. It's the first time in human history, I've been alive for 41 years now, that we have quarantined people who are not ill. Yes. I do not get it. It is illogical, but people, we, we're in a some kind of cult of hysteria for the last two years, and this is part of it. Talk about that. I'm going to be honest. I've got to go back and read the bill. I, I believe this only deals with public schools, not private schools. Um, so in public schools, this would essentially prevent schools from uh, not necessarily from contact tracing, I suppose, uh, but it would stop them from quarantining asymptomatic students. If you, if you are not exhibiting symptoms of COVID-19, and you have not tested positive for COVID-19. The school cannot quarantine you. So it shuts down this whole quarantining healthy kids uh, deal. Um, also, if you have symptoms, but you present a negative COVID test, they cannot quarantine you. Even if you're showing symptoms, but if you're negative, they can't quarantine you. Well, that um, test is still unreliable. You just take it until you get a negative. You're <laughs> well, that's, that's true. Uh, <laughs> And the health department also cannot promulgate these rules, and these rules cannot be created by an emergency declaration under 58.2.107. So it just shuts down the ability to quarantine kids when they're, they're healthy. 
when there's no reason for them to be home. They should be at school with their peers, learning, being educated. Last one here, school board elections. I, I'd like to see this. I think this is good. Um, if somebody has to de can declare, and does this require people to declare or does it allow them to declare? All right. So there, there's some confusion on the there's and I want to clear that up. There are two different bills. There's a bill by Scott Sapicki, HB 9002. And there's a bill by Speaker Sexton, which is the one you'll see on our website, HB 9072. They both deal with partisan school board elections. However, Representative Sapicki's bill, 9002, only allows the county to have partisan elections, which means the county party organization must elect to have partisan elections. So let's just say in Williamson County, if I wanted to run for school board and I wanted to run as a Republican, I would need permission. I would need the okay from my county Republican Party to allow me to run as a Republican and to allow this to be a partisan election. So when you think about that and you think about the rhino Republicans we have around the state and you think about the Democratic parties who may never elect um, to allow their, to put a, a, a D by their candidate's name. Uh, it's kind of wishy washy to me. It's you know, it's a step forward. Cameron Sexton's bill, HB 9072, which is the one we want to see pass, and it, it's carried in the Senate by McNally. So I'm assuming this one has a really good chance at passing. Uh, states that school board elections must be partisan. So your county parties would be required to put up nominees for their party for school board elections. All right. So now uh, we head into, ladies and gentlemen, the shell game. And that is where there's a fruit basket turnover and all these various and sundry bills are scattered into all these committees, which takes time, energy, and resources to watch. And then they're murdered. They die they horrible deaths. Well, you could call them committees, you know, or you could call them rhino murder holes. I mean, death whichever. Death you, panels. Death panels. Yes. Good, good legislation. Death panels. And um, some folks in some committees have been put on notice that we're going to pay attention. And uh, I don't think that there's ever been more scrutiny and attention being placed on health committees uh, and, and in other committees uh, ever in the state of Tennessee history. Maybe the income tax fight would be an exception. And I think that uh, people are going to be watching this closely and we will know or we will have a better idea of um, who is really a Republican in the traditional sense and who isn't as these bills try to work their way because there's lots of corporate influence, there's lots of PAC money, there's lots of lobbyists up there, lots of government bureaucrats lobbying their own government. I just hope there's enough uh, either Republican fortitude or simple political fear of, of their own self-interest to guide them properly. Amen to that. Uh, and, you know, we just need to keep as conservatives around the, around the state, folks who follow Tennessee stands, folks who follow the Tennessee conservative. Uh, I mean, we need to stay watchful and people need to be active in contacting their legislators, contact these committees and promote these bills. We'll do our best to keep everyone up to date. You can go to TennesseeStands.org. Go to our website at TennesseeStands.org. We have a take action tab and you'll see a link for COVID special session. 
That'll take you to a web page that's got all these bills that we just talked about listed out with links that take you to the legislative website so you can track the status of those bills as they go through committee. And um, we're going to do our best, if you're on our email list, to be communicating those action items to you as to when you should be contacting these committees. So um, this is going to happen fast. Uh, you know, I, people are expecting two weeks. It could be shorter, but they're going to try to move this as quickly as possible. So it's we're going to miss some things. God help us, but we're going to try. Well, buddy, uh, we appreciate all you do over there at Tennessee Stands. Guys, pay attention. Uh, be paying attention to your emails uh, from both uh, my organization and Gary's. Uh, we're going to try to just get here. And here's the thing. I'll close with this. We're not we're not asking. We're not asking for anything new. We are asking for the old normal. That's it. Like all of these things, almost you look at all this stuff, it's all uh, trying to claw our way back to some kind of semblance of normalcy and freedom and liberty. It's not this big controversial pile of stuff. I mean, all this stuff should just sail through unscathed, but it won't. And so you have to pay attention. Uh, Gary, uh, what do you want to close us out with, buddy? Uh Look, I, I love what you said. I mean, really, that's what we're trying to do, right, is, is literally go back to 2019. And, and look, at the end of the day, this body has a duty to secure individual liberties uh, for Tennesseans. That is their constitutionally prescribed duty. I will continue to put forward this hospitals don't have rights. Businesses don't have rights. People have rights. Individuals have been secured their God-given rights. And that's it, it's simple what we're asking for. And, and look, there are several, there are several men and women in the General Assembly that believe that same way. And they are working incredibly hard and fighting for you, fighting for those rights. Conversely, there are those who don't. There are those who are bought and paid for. There are those who just don't understand our constitution anymore. And so it's, it's a struggle, it's education, it's relationships, but it's also, it's, it's putting up a fight. It's being loud. It's letting them know that we're watching. This isn't, this isn't happening in secret. So, and Brandon, that's, that's feel like it's you and I's job, you know, partially, but um, so I'm thankful to your organization. And I'm thankful to every, every Tennessean now who, who is woke, in the sense that they're paying attention and uh, we need to stay that way. All right, guys, let's uh, be on alert. You may be asked to make some phone calls. You may be asked to travel to Nashville. You may be asked to send uh, some emails. Uh, you may be asked to take social media and ask people questions on their social media profiles. So just be, uh, be willing over the next couple of weeks to, to carve out 30, 60 minutes to do your little part and we will do ours. I'm Brandon Lewis of the Tennessee Conservative. Thank you to Gary Humble of Tennessee Stands for joining us. Be watchful. We'll be in touch shortly. Take care, guys.